The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a Scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. 
We're here to start a set of positional reviews now for the 2020 season. We're starting off uh, tonight with the wide receiver reviews. Is something that uh, obviously gets a lot of talk out there on Twitter. Joining me for this, Jake Vogel. Jake, how you doing? I'm doing good, Ken. How about you? No complaints here. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll probably have some complaints about the wide receivers I'm getting. But where can people find your work? Uh, you can find most of my stuff on Twitter, at RealJakeVogel. It's uh, pretty easy to find me. I'm I'm on there pretty often. Okay. You write anywhere at all, or this is just you're pretty much a Twitter uh, contributor? Tri- uh, pretty much Twitter, and I have a uh, little bit of a podcast thing going on right now, but it's just getting off, so I won't mention that right now. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so let's start talking about the wide receivers. A very young wide receiver group to start 2020. Obviously, uh, they seem to shed some age every year, but for the wide receivers for, for about five years in there, they were getting a new guy on the free agent treadmill year after year, and it seemed like this was a year where the Ravens avoided it until a little bit later in the season, but we'll get to him a little later. Uh, start wherever you want, whatever receiver you'd like, and we'll we'll talk through. Uh, so I, I guess I'll start with the top guy, and that's Marquise Brown. This year, there were some big expectations for him. Uh, <laughs> he posted all of those uh, videos in the offseason, and uh, it looked like he was bulking up and um, getting strong and, and just practicing a lot on his own, uh, hopefully for a good season. But it didn't really turn out the way that I expected, and I'm sure a lot of other Ravens fans expected. Yeah, it didn't didn't go quite go as far, but you're right. Those off-season videos were something we really saw a lot of, weren't they? And and him on the jugs gun, making those one-handed catches, a lot of the power. I mean, I, I, you know, as much as he seemed like a ball of muscle during the off-season, I can't say that we really saw that translate to a lot of yak during the year. I would 100% agree with you. Uh, it, it didn't seem like it changed his game much. He was still very much uh, adverse to any contact. He, he knows when to get down when there's a bigger guy coming at him. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it wasn't just about the yards after contact, but his yards after contact, just to, just to give you a notion, this, let me see if I have that here. I will find it. I do not have it right right at this moment. Yes, I do. <laughs> his yak went up from 226 to 274, but his catches went up also by 30%. So you'd expect it to go up even by a little bit more. So the guy we remember in 2019 is pretty much going down as soon as he caught the ball. Anytime, certainly caught it before the third level. Uh, really didn't improve his yak numbers at all. What did get worse was his drops. He went from two to six in terms of drops. Uh, that's a pretty big problem for him. Yeah, 100%. And he had that infamous tweet that everyone knows about, so we don't really need to harp on it too much. But, um, yeah, the drops were very disappointing. He seemed to pick things up near the back end of the season. About the last five, six games, he he really started playing well, and that carried him into the playoffs. Definitely a glimmer of hope. Uh, I think that the, the key numbers, as I would look at it from 2019, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions on balls thrown to him. In 2020, a much more mediocre eight and four. You know, not what you want. And the passer mm-hmm. rating throwing to him was 123.2 in 2019, only 92.5 in 2020. So he was a contributor to the reduction in Jackson's um, quarterback rating. And obviously some of that is Jackson, but some of it is him as well. Absolutely. That's uh, that's always tough. Andy Dalton, um, of course, used to throw it to AJ Green so often that um, you would see a similar thing, even with a much better receiver on paper. 
All right. So um, go ahead. Yep. If we're, if we're, if we're good, good with Brown, let's move on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so next guy on the list is Willie Sneed. Uh, I didn't expect him to have a huge year in 2020 and uh, he didn't have that great of a year. However, his yards per reception were solid. Um, they were much better than the guy we're going to talk about a little bit later, Des Bryant. Um, 13.1 yards per catch this year. Uh, he just hasn't been that involved in the offense. Uh, I mean, he was the third leading receiver on the team with 432 yards, but that, that tells you how Baltimore's offense ran this year in the passing game. Yeah, I think it was his best year as a Raven. I mean, he started off, caught the first 10 balls thrown to him. Then it, it, it wasn't as good the rest of the way. He only caught 23 of 38 the rest of the way. It's only about 60%. But the, uh, the, the 10 out of 10 to start the year, buoyed his number up to almost 69% for the year, which is decent for a wide receiver. You mentioned the yards per reception. I like to look at yards per target, 9.0 sure. yards per target. Excellent. And the second best number of his career, he was at 9.7 in 2015. So a good year from that perspective. So lots of things to, uh, to, to point to and like about that. Certainly a go-to guy on third down, almost plays a little bit like a tight end on the field, a guy they, they motion into the middle of that backfield and a guy who is out there open between 10 and 15 yards. Absolutely. Uh, he, he's also been a guy since 2018 that has a couple spectacular catches in a season where the quarterback, when it was Joe Flacco or now for the majority of that time being Lamar, just kind of throws up a ball and Willie climbs the ladder and, and makes a beautiful catch when it doesn't seem like a person of his stature or frame would be able to do that at the level that he does. Yeah, one of the big catches, of course, was in that Cleveland game going up to catch the ball from McSorley for the first down. Yeah, McSorley, McSorley mm-hmm. for the first down before the triumphant fourth and five return of Jackson to win the ball game. Uh, Absolutely. It was it was a pretty cool catch, certainly for the year. Uh, we mentioned this for, for Brown, so I'm going to do it for Snead as well. But on the year, uh, he had how many receiving touchdowns this season? Only three receiving touchdowns, but but three. only one interception um, is a is a pretty is better than that was before. He did have three drops. So he's in the same kind of position that Brown was in terms of the percentage of drops at six point three percent, even a little bit higher. Uh, not not ideal numbers, not an ideal season. Um, he is currently a free agent. Uh, he is part of a large middle class in the NFL of players. I think there's a chance he'll be back with the Ravens. Yeah, I, I definitely see that as a possibility. Uh, his, his season was, was okay. The only hesitancy I have here is how much money does he want? How involved in the offense does he want to be? And, with the development of the younger receivers that are a little bit lower on the depth chart, what do the what does the coaching staff want to do? Um, I would love to see Devin Duvernay get some of those targets and get more involved in the slot where Willie Sneed tends to thrive. Yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense that that, that Duvernay would be a guy taking taking snaps from Sneed. Uh, I think Sneed is a guy who's going to get squeezed by the COVID cap in 2021. I don't think there's some team looking out there to sign him for three years for nine million, say, mm-hmm. um, which would be about the top end anyway. I think in a normal year, coming off the kind of year he's had, um, but but if if he may well be a guy who ends up playing for the vet minimum or pretty close to it. And if the Ravens could sign him to a deal where uh, you know they get a, a, a 
the veteran the veteran salary salary benefit from him maybe that's a real cap um win for the ravens and they they have they have an opportunity to really feast off the available middle class around the nfl if they uh if they play their money tight this offseason if they go out and try and sign a wide receiver with most of that money then they they'll blow it and they won't have that money available but uh, my guess is they're going to play that money pretty tight i absolutely agree with that uh Everybody, make sure to go listen to the podcast that Ken had with Cole Jackson. It was great. They were talking about a similar thing with the the middle class this year and, of course, um, all of the podcasts with Dan Reese. Appreciate that plug, Jake. Thanks. Thanks a lot for that. Uh, the, the also the state of the roster stuff at the end of the year with with Brian McFarlane. I also uh, recommend to folks as being a you know a guy who really understands the salary cap and and what we're headed for. But a lot of a lot of uh, middle class uh, opportunity there for this Ravens front office, which has certainly proven to be adept at getting it. You know, every time you hear about it, you know JJ Watts available or some great wide receivers available. Mm-hmm. It comes to the same thing is like, who are we giving up if we do that? right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if we tried to sign one of those big name guys, we are really losing a ton. Like you're saying with the cap, uh, we have a decent amount of money to sign some of those middle middle tier uh, players at wide receiver at edge. Um, if we can re-sign one or two of our guys, Derek Wolf, that, maybe. Derek Wolf. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people on Twitter were, were looking to see if he was going to be signed uh, about a week or so ago. It hasn't happened yet. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there will be a lot of guys available and I think there'll be a lot of guys in the one to 3 million range too. And, and we won't know everything until we get a, a more clear cap number and a more clear sense of how significant 2021 revenues are going to be impacted by COVID again. And I mean, already looks like fans in the stands will probably be lower. So I'd have to imagine even with better TV money that you're talking about lower revenues. And no matter what, the owners are going to share those on a pro rata basis with the players that's similar. So it's just becomes a matter of how much do you borrow from the future? How much do you levelize? And the Ravens will be smart to play that as tight as possible to give themselves the most future cap roll. I absolutely agree with all of that. Uh, would you like to move on to the next receiver? Absolutely. So next we have Miles Boykin. Uh, he is going into year three, just like Marquise Brown. Um, this year was a little bit disappointing for Boykin. However, his touchdown numbers are still pretty, pretty good. Uh, he had four touchdowns this year. Not a huge, not a huge mark, but we also have experienced um, Torrey Smith in Baltimore the year that he went for over a thousand yards, but only had a couple touchdowns. Um, so Boykin, not not a spectacular season. His targets um, barely increased from last year. I think he was in the 20 range, uh, maybe 25, 26. up to 33. Yeah. From 22 so, to 33. Yeah. 22 to 33, 11 more. Uh, not what we were looking for. No, not at all. I mean, he's he's one of those guys that's that's a training camp hero in Baltimore. And this year with uh, COVID and the lack of a preseason, um, it really hurt all of the wide receivers, especially a young guy in Miles Boykin. 
Yeah, so uh, there's some, there's a lot of interesting things about Miles Boykin as a receiver, obviously, but but he did take a slight step backward in terms of his per target production. Uh, his yards per target went down to eight point one from nine, which was good in in his in his rookie year. That was really something to build on. His catch rate went down slightly. A good thing is he he did not have a drop as Pro Football Reference scored. So I think they used the Sports Radar underlying data, but they didn't did not mm. did not tag him with a drop during the year, which is nice. Um, he did do some things positively, particularly towards the end of the season. The forty three yard touchdown pass against Cincinnati was a nice one. Uh, he had some contributions against Buffalo in in uh, in a limited amount of play with three catches in that game. But I, I you know what I. What I really love about Miles Boykin is Miles Boykin, the run blocker, and how much he adds to this offense in that way. And play after play, he's just a guy who uses his length extremely well in level two and level three to keep people at bay, keep his feet, and not lunge like linemen. I mean, you have you have linemen much more capable and much more mm, professionally, you know, set with the duty of blocking. But once they get out of right. space, they can look very uncomfortable in that process. Oh, for sure. Uh, Miles Boykin is is probably the greatest run blocking wide receiver Baltimore has ever drafted. And he's up there with other guys that they've had in general. Uh, Anquan Bolden, of course, has some highlight blocks to his name. And Willie Sneed has been, mm-hmm. you know, above average as well. But Boykin has that frame and he uses it really well blocking. I just wish he would um, capitalize in the receiving game using his frame a little bit more. And some of that could, could be due to um, not understanding the route tree quite, um, quite well enough yet, or uh, not connecting with Lamar on, on certain plays. But uh, yeah, uh, I, re- I see it in the run game. I don't see it as much in the passing game. Right. So we see, we see a couple of things with Boykin, I think in terms of the passing, but I'm going to go with one and then we'll do, we'll do one at a time. The one it really came up on the interception against the Titans in the playoff game that Boykin did not track that ball at an early enough time or well enough to be able to get back and prevent that interception. That, that really is a tracking issue. And I know in some ways he was following almost exactly the track of the football. So it made it a difficult, you know, perceive the ball hit directly over your head as an outfielder is the toughest catch to make. And, and a ball like that, that was more or less over his head was also somewhat difficult or more on the same you know, azimuth that he was going and for him not to be able to get back and, and, and prevent that interception, obviously was a bad thing and something that, that he's got to do better if he wants to earn more of Lamar's trust. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, to, to just some simple people watching football, it looks like he, he just needs to come back to the ball more in some of those plays. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially when, when the, when the DB's going for it and he's just kind of standing there flat footed. I mean, you got to always attack the ball in those situations. And if, if the guy catches it, you have to be there to tackle him. Um, kind of like what we saw in the, the playoff game against Buffalo, where uh, L- Lamar gets picked off by the defender. He didn't see. And uh, Andrews didn't make the tackle early enough. Mm-hmm. One thing we, we have seen from a guy who left the Ravens and a guy who stayed with the Ravens in Boykin, is a very different basketball ability to box out the defender on a, on a 
pass play. And you're kind of alluding to it in what you're saying. You know, he needs to use his frame. He needs to get up. He needs to make the defender play through his back to prevent the interception because that usually create a pass interference play. But I think Boykin doesn't do enough of that, and, and, he, and he hasn't become proficient enough at that. Whereas we saw Waller now at Oakland. My God, he's a master at it. He uses his frame mm-hmm. so well to, to block out the defenders and catch the football. I, I, ha- I have to believe that's at least partly a function of coaching, but it may be a case where Boykin needs to get really good off-season coaching to take that next step. Absolutely. This could tie into uh, some new coaching moves that John Harbaugh's staff just made. Um, we added the two new uh, receiver coaches, T. Martin and um, uh, trying to remember the other name. Uh, one of the guys has worked um, with Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, and many other big names. And the other guy... Uh, T. Martin is the father of um, incoming rookie wide receiver Amari Rogers out of Clemson. So both of these guys have tons of experience working with wide receivers, and um, and some of them. I mean, one of them has worked with. Uh, I think it's passing Keith, games. Keith yeah, Williams. Keith, you're talking about. Keith Williams. Yes. Uh, so I, I have a feeling if if the players are able to be in the building a little bit more this off season, just having those guys in house could help develop these players. But um, we as fans always enjoy seeing the players attack the off season with their own time and their own money. Oh, absolutely. Last year, you know, reports were positive from Boykin to see him using a jugs gun. I think Lamar Jackson has the whole youth of the Ravens pretty mobilized in terms of what they do in the offseason because of his big jump from year one to year two. Uh, you know, we saw Brown doing it. We saw the incredible uh, work that Skura did to handle his rehab. You know, we've seen a few years ago now, we saw Ryan Jensen take that huge leap between year three and year four and earn a huge contract out of it. And you got you to gotta love that when a player can do it. But, uh, yeah, they need, need to definitely see more of that across the board with some of these young players. Absolutely. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. All right, the next guy on the list is Devin Duvernay. Uh, He was one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, Once the Ravens drafted him, I, I, I dove into his tape at Texas, and he was really exciting. He caught a lot of screens. He looked like a bowling ball out on the perimeter if, if he got the ball and he was on the sidelines watch out because corners couldn't tackle him with with just one arm or or even two for that matter um he didn't have quite the opportunity i would have liked to see in year one in baltimore uh he was very effective on end arounds and that's going to be the first number i'm going to bring up uh he had four carries for 70 yards this year that's that'll 17 <laughs> Yeah, 17 and a half yards per carry. I would have liked to see a lot more than just four attempts. Um, and perhaps one of them might have been a penalty that that came back. So we didn't have that statistic. Uh, but, I mean, just a really fast guy. And I feel like in the offseason, he, he 
developed a little bit more wiggle to his game. Maybe he was doing some yoga, stretching. Um, at Texas, he looked very linear um, and just kind of like a straightforward speed guy. But he had a little bit more to him in Baltimore from what I could see. Yeah, now he he caught some shorter balls. His average depth of target was only 6.2. Of course, to think of it, you know, we remember a lot of the screen passes and whatnot. They were running early in the year in particular. And uh, and I could have believed even it was shorter than that. But he uh, caught 20 out of 26 balls, 77%, which is excellent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a number that you, you kind of expect from a running back. It's that good. Very few wide receivers will ever get in that range. Uh, Buffalo had like three of them. Unbelievably, they were <laughs> up in the 76 percent range and above. But but Allen and, the, and their receivers had a great year. Uh, and also so they run a lot of wide receiver screens is the other other component of that. The problem I have with DuVernay is how they stopped using him and then who was getting those snaps and uh, away from him. But the last five games of the regular season, DuVernay had three targets, two receptions for two yards total. Yeah, that's just pitiful. Uh, you have to think that's game planning and uh, Roman likely uh, need to put in some plays specifically for DuVernay. And right. you see Andy Reid and other coaches across the league able to put their playmakers in position to get the ball. Yeah. And I, I agree. And he did not, by the way, have a catch in the postseason either. He took over really as, as a punt returner for the Ravens. And it's nice to get a two to make one situation if you can get both your return jobs done. But they, they can't mean you take him out of the offense, particularly since they're replacing him with someone that I just don't respect at all. Yeah. yeah. So to lead to that, I, I believe <laughs> I believe we're talking about Des Bryant here. Uh, Des became more involved in the offense down the stretch, and he was not very effective, as Ken's mentioning. Uh, I only have one number here, um, and it would be even worse if it was per target, but uh, 7.8 yards per catch. Uh, if you see that in a wide receiver, the answer is no. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to. Uh, yeah. I, is, did you have the yards per yes, target? Yes, I have it. I, I need to pull it up here for just a second. 4.3 yards per target, which is basically Gosh. at the Patrick Ricard level. That's what you're getting. You're getting a fullback basically uh, with that. And I did have two touchdowns. And the right. one thing I'll say is A.J. Green also had a, a piece of crap year. Uh, A.J. Green didn't have as many excuses because he had only taken one year off with the injury. And I kind of say he'd kind of taken that year off. But anyway, uh-huh. he, the, the, he came back. He played a fair amount this year, got a lot of targets, the 5.0 yards per target. There's still people. There are still people on Twitter who want the Ravens to sign A.J. Green for next year. Yeah, I can't believe that. I'm, I'm definitely not in on the A.J. Green to Baltimore train. Let's talk a little bit more about Bryant because the one the difference sure. that I want to point out with A.J. Green is that Bryant was actually trying. And I can honestly – I think I can understand why mm. the coaches were okay having him on the field because he was able to submerge his ego to a degree. And he – Got a little flared up about not being able to play against Dallas with COVID, and that really didn't sound very good. But honestly, he was a competitor. He wanted to get out there. When he was on the field, he, he was really trying in terms of run blocking. And if we had seen any kind of a of a forfeiture there, if he had if he had not been you know doing his job there, I'd have been very upset about it. But uh, but at least that he he was trying. And as it turned out, then then I'm just upset about the snaps wasted on him. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, he he did run block pretty well. 
he, along with some other receivers, struggled to get footing um, down down the stretch. We had a lot of games with poor weather, so I'm mm-hmm. not going to put that 100 percent on on Des. But on many uh, out routes, corner routes, he was just slipping in the grass and um, making it one less target for Lamar to throw the ball to. Uh, he he didn't threaten anyone down the field. Corners, safeties were not scared of him one bit. So all of his targets were short. Uh, pretty much they were of the shorter variety and he had those two touchdowns. Uh, I just don't understand why they switched to Dez versus giving uh, Devin Duvernay or even James Prochet some more targets. Yeah, more chances on the outside. And, you know, that's exactly it is Brian took 129 snaps. And my first question is, if you say there's no downside to Dez Bryant, and that was a common thing to be said is there's, there's potential for a big upside and there's no downside. Well, yes, there is. If, if he's on the field taking snaps from a better player, that's downside. You know, that's exactly what it is. And there's no way I can look at this at any, as any way but Dez Bryant cost the Ravens fairly significantly in 2020. Uh, it's just it's, it, There's nothing about this that you can pull out of this and show me that says it, it's a good result. I absolutely agree with that. So next we have James Prochet. Uh, he did not have many opportunities. He was targeted three times this year, and he had one catch for 14 yards. That that catch was really nice. Uh, he he kind of baited the defender. Was it a linebacker? Crossing or, route on third down for a first down, I remember. I'm trying to remember what yes. game it came in. He broke to the outside, uh, and he faked inside. So it was um, – Tennessee regular season game. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, he looked good in that limited, uh, the limited action. Um, he also was involved on the, the interception with the Steelers game. Uh, I believe he was the target. Um, other than that, he, he couldn't find the field. Uh, Devin Duvernay is, is a more explosive athlete. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he has more speed, more burst, more game breaking potential, uh, but both of those players from this class have stellar hands. They both really know how to catch the ball and frame the ball um, with their hands and with proper technique on okay. a, at a consistent basis. I got to go back to one of the points because you made the point that there was an interception against Pittsburgh on a ball that was thrown to him. And that was in the home game. Griffin also threw a pick six on his third target of the season, which was in the game at Pittsburgh. So two out of the three balls thrown to him mm-hmm. were pick sixes. So wow. That will that will end it pretty quickly. He he did have how many total? 25 offensive snaps was it for the game and they shut him down. No, actually he was still it was still available weeks 12, 13, 14, 15, but uh then they shut him down after week 15 for the rest of the year including the postseason. And I think it was probably the right call given the fact that they were saving a roster spot and they needed it elsewhere particularly on defense. Absolutely. Uh, what, what would you hope going for in crochet in 2020 in 2021? Sorry. Yeah. Going into this next year, I'd just like to see him get more involved in the offense. If a guy like Snead is, is out the door or even if he's still there, I'd, I'd like to see him get on the field, uh, get involved with some intermediate um, and short, shorter depth targets. Uh, he can work well out of the slot. He also worked pretty well on the outside when he was at SMU him and Devin Duvernay and Hollywood Brown are all guys that make some good money in the slot. Uh, so Baltimore has an, 
not necessarily an embarrassment of riches because that's a stable of that's not that's not (laughs) yeah that's not true but yeah they definitely have a stable of slot receivers um in baltimore so i'd just like to see him get more involved see if he can actually lock up the punt returning uh job and keep it away from duvernay and um just go from there yeah, honestly, if if it comes down as a week for week roster de- decision where Prochet has to lose his game day activation because the Ravens need an extra defender, and oftentimes, you know, they're making really tough decisions like, should I play with four cornerbacks? Should I play with four defensive linemen? That kind of tough decision should not be made if the only guy you have to sit is James Prochet, 2020 to get the right. So James Prochet needs to make it more of a decision <laughs> to sit him down in order for that to, to, to really come into play. Cause I don't think the Ravens in, you know, in most of these games are going to need six receivers. They might want five and a lot of them. One guy we didn't, we didn't mention that we probably ought to is Chris Moore. I did not, I, I'm not even sure if he got a receiving target this year, but he did uh, uh, play on special teams and, and, you know, a guy in 2018 who had a pretty damn good year and all of a sudden, we really haven't seen him since on the field as a receiver. Absolutely. Yeah, Chris Moore was a bit of an afterthought this year, even though it seems like the coaching staff still really likes him. Uh, mm-hmm. They kept him on the team all year. They wanted him on special teams, and they activated him down the stretch. So it, it, was, it was an interesting one. I, I don't expect him back in Baltimore unless it's really just as a end of – end of the uh, receiving room depth chart um, kind of move. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because two years ago, in 2018, he had a really good year. He, he caught 76% of the balls thrown to him, 19 out of 25. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's exactly what you want. I mean, a possession receiver like that who also contributes on special teams, that's the Ravens' way. Is it, it's, The Ravens want great special teams players, but they have to get something else out of them because – kick coverage and punt coverage duties anymore in the NFL are just not significant enough. You know, there's just too many kicks go into the end zone. And there's a lot of the strategy of, of the game revolves around not pooching the ball when you have a big lead and don't want to take chances with injuries or, or, or with a score or whatever. I mean, you don't pooch anymore. Same thing with punting and, and particularly with cook is that a, a high percentage of punts are not returned for a variety of reasons. So, and, and the Ravens don't punt as much because they go for it on fourth down and they, and they punt less because their offense is pretty good. So you, you, you end up with not as many kick coverage opportunities for a player like Moore. And it's not like he's valuable on other special teams elements. Absolutely agree with all of that. Uh, It's going to be hard for him to make the team, especially with um, an anticipated addition of some sort to the wide receiver room, either in free agency or the draft or a combination of the two. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good chance for for a draft, I would say. But, but, uh, you know, in some ways, wouldn't it be a little surprising if the Ravens didn't draft a wide receiver somewhere up and down the line? The problem is it may be Jordan Lasley or it may be Jaleel Scott again, (laughs) who doesn't make a big first year contribution. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm hoping that they can get a a true X receiver. Um, It's not as important as filling the need of offensive line. But um, the more picks that they acquire, the more chance that the right player is sitting there um, with the most value, the way that they draft uh, BPA. I, I want to go back to a scheme component that you kind of hit on when you're talking about the, the large stable of slot ponies that the, the Ravens have at, uh, at wide receiver. So the question is this. They've got 
still at that position, some balance of size they can put in there, whether it's a split tight end in, in Andrews uh, mm-hmm. or even Boykin, you know, moving inside. Boykin is more of a more of a uh, outside receiver naturally, but you could move him in the inside. They've got the shiftiness of Duvernay and also some of the physicality that he gives you on the inside. And you've got some of the speed of a Prochet, and, and Duvernay obviously has that speed as well. If Sneed comes back, he provides you another veteran presence who's a very high percentage ball catcher or a good percentage ball catcher. So my question is, why would the Ravens not consider adding something to the playbook that would be more bunch formation looks on obvious passing down? So you, you have to throw the ball. They they have a they they have a obviously a like of vertical routes because they want to clear out a lot of the underneath space for Jackson to run the ball to scramble. But you can also you know just set the opponent up a little bit and once per game, twice per game, run a bunch formation where you're really trying to screw them up on the inside and see what Jackson can make of that because a lot of those plays mm-hmm. do you know create opportunity right off the line of scrimmage. I love that idea. I would love to see some more bunch formations, not only for the route concepts that you can include in those, but also the screen game that we really want to see evolve in Baltimore in 2021 with Devin DuVernay. I I don't know if I, if I really buy into Hollywood getting involved in that. Um, If he's untouched, I love it, (laughs) but, but that's, that's the problem. DuVernay uh, is one of those guys that can take on more contact and, and really blow through some of that. Right. And, and I think you probably have that ability even out of 12 personnel because you can split two tight ends wide in a bunch with one other wide receiver and get some of that wide receiver screen capability you've seen, or you can get some of that ability to break free off the line of scrimmage. And both Andrews and Duvernay would give you some of that. Whereas any other big body, I mean, they they did a real good job of it with Hayden Hurst a couple of years ago to, to get him in a position Mm -hmm. to make good blocks in level two and three in the run game primarily. But it it would be interesting to see if they, if they could develop a a tight end. And I think they're going to get a new one. Uh, who would be able to do some of that in in level two and three in the passing game? Yeah, I, I really hope to see that addition, or maybe that guy's in house. Uh, I am not sure yet, but um, I, I expect a move or two in the draft for a receiving threat. It does not have to be a wide receiver; it could be another tight end. I'm all about it, but um, just to provide that compliment, like Hayden Hurst was when he was in Baltimore. Yeah, it really was a, a secret sauce for the Ravens to have that third tight end in a lot of plays. And 13 personnel just puts that defense coordinator in a real pickle in terms of, of who he matches up or uh, even what personnel package he puts in to face it. All right, outstanding stuff. Uh, loved having you on. Uh, uh, appreciate it, Mr. Vogel. And uh, tell us, uh, again, plug anything you like. Uh, your upcoming pod is going to be starting when? You want to talk about it? Uh, so we've had one episode. We we did a um, a mock already. You can find us at the Say It Again Network. Um, you can just find us on Twitter, and um, that stuff is posted and live streamed as well. Uh, and I will be doing some writing in the near future on some of my favorite draft prospects. I'm I'm really going through about every position, focusing on the offensive line right now, and then moving to wide receiver. Okay. 
All right. Very cool. We'll look forward to that. Uh, other folks out there, I want to give you a little bit of the upcoming stuff we'll have. Uh, this is the first of 10 of these positional reviews to look back at 2020 and try and discern what the Ravens had, what can, what they can keep in terms of going forward. Uh, we're also setting up for the offseason in terms of shorts. And I want people out there who have good thoughts about football, whatever they may be, contact me on Twitter. I'm at Film Study Ravens. You can also just send me an email, filmstudy21 at verizon.net, and give me your thoughts on uh, a, a short you would like to do. The best topics are highly focused. We can do them in 20 minutes. So we can't talk about every element of fixing the Ravens offense from offensive line to wide receiver to all this. And we can't even talk about you know some more complex concepts about the passing game because they're too big for a short. But we can talk about how would you incorporate new tight ends into this offense differently than they used them before, for example. Uh, that one of the recent ones is very well done, uh, I thought, um, and it's the contributions of Ken Winkler was, was in terms of uh, how the Ravens could benefit from a more athletic center. So I thought that was a really good, uh, you know, very specific and very good topic. But uh, appreciate you coming on, Jake. And uh, thanks for thanks for coming. And we'll talk to you next time. On yeah, thank you so much, Ken. Absolutely. Bye bye. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.